This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Joe, we are back in Newport Beach for another week of the OC, and I'm going to be honest, I really like this week's episode. It was like stress-free. It was like exactly what I needed after episode eight, which, if you remember, stressed me the fuck out. There was too much happening in that. This one was like exactly what I wanted it to be, just like a chill-ass, stress-free teenagers just doing teenage shit type episode yeah the stakes are fairly low (laughs) it's all like it's very like self-inflicted right like self-inflicted wounds like they are their own they are they are the ones standing in in their own way uh they're in the way of their destiny for sure this episode with the exception of like one or two lines of dialogue Mm -hmm. like this episode could have just been a 90 minute teen flick plot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it like, it like follows like the entire arc of a film in 42 minutes. It's, it's actually very impressive, but let's dive into it. I, I think what I like about this week's episode is that so much of the past episodes have been Marissa focused or Ryan focused or like like there's everybody's drama throughout the mm-hmm. episode but there's like the the a plot has been like some Ryan shit's going down mm-hmm. some Marissa shit's going down there's some Sandy Cohen or or Kirsten shit going down there's the whole Cooper family drama this episode for the most part the a plot is Seth and Seth's problems in comparison to every other character's problems is just a relatable like lovesick teenager storyline where I'm like I can watch this all day like this is after after the post overdose plot line of last week I will take a Seth Cohen is in love with a girl that may might not like him episode like let's just strap in and have fun with that and the return of anna yeah i was i was i was wondering if you're going to mention anna because i know you like you some anna right now right controversially texted a friend of mine who uh is a huge oc fan and the joke that i have with this friend is that i always 
I am always the person who falls in love with the least liked characters in stuff. Like, not like they're disliked, but like if I could only date one of the three women of Friends, I would pick Monica, where I think a lot of most people would be like, Jennifer Aniston, she's right there. Why would you go with Monica? Mm -hmm. Like, she's neurotic and weird. And like you put Marissa with me knowing almost nothing about them. Sure. You just put Marissa, Summer, and Anna on the table and say, all three of these girls are interested in you, but you have to pick one of them. I wouldn't even hesitate to be like, I pick Anna. <laughs> like she's she's a nerdy, punky, dorky looking girl that like seems like she'd be my jam. And then conversationally, it's like, yeah, this girl's cool. Like I I am still very pro Anna at this point. She literally looks like the lead singer of Letters to Cleo. <laughs> like she's 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 got the pixie girl haircut without the manic pixie dream girl energy. Exactly. She's very chilled out. And in case you did know that this episode was going to be Seth focused, the whole first scene is like Seth focused. Uh, so it's the first day of school. It took us nine episodes, but we're finally going to the first day of school. Yeah. <laughs> Where like White Lotus is already done and people have died like in seven yeah. episodes. We're not even at the school yet. No. And I'm also equally impressed that Episode nine, school starts. Episode 13, it's Chrismica already. So, mm-hmm. like, they took eight episodes to get us <laughs> to get us to school and five episodes to get us to the end of the year. <laughs> like, so, that is uh, that's something to applaud, I guess. Um, but there is this delightful scene that I love. I, I think it's a relatable circumstance for most people who lived through the 90s and 2000s as a kid, or really any decade, which is... Parents trying to make you feel like you're going to be cool at school that day. (laughs) And I I think it it definitely hits its peak with Sandy going, oh, you do look rad. (laughs) But it's such a charming, cute little scene. I just love like how he's so Seth is so like it's still very like he's he's exhibiting like teenage cringe right it's like you look rad and i'm like it's not that bad like your dad is fully surfing like that could be embarrassing look next week we'll talk about seth really hitting some like high school cringe uh in a specific scene but but we'll we'll get there because oof but uh (laughs) but i do want to so so we've got that we're establishing the first day of school for most of the characters Mm -hmm. right so Seth's there. He's fighting with like his family, giving him weird, what he considers to be uncool, weird compliments. And then we also establish Ryan's ability to express a whole lot without saying a word um, mm-hmm. <laughs> through facial expressions and stuff like that. And that's a pretty fun runner. That's a good little joke. I, I appreciate it that. Uh, and then we jump over to Marissa and Summer. Uh, Summer hanging out with Marissa just before school at Jimmy Cooper's house. And, you know, Jimmy Cooper, Jimmy Cooper's really kind uh, of Jimmy Cooper's divorce condo, <laughs> divorce condo. Let's correct. Yes, that's true. Uh, and you know what? Like for all the bad that Jimmy Cooper did, right? Mm-hmm. Man is stepping up as a father figure as much as he can, even if he sucks at making breakfast. And like I, for one, appreciate a man that the man is making an effort. Like it's clear that he's trying. Yeah. Um. So we get all of that. And then we're finally at school and there's, you know, there's stuff going on in the ether. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we're, we establish that Marissa is on 
a committee to set up a carnival. <laughs> she's on always she's always on a committee. Ooh. I hope this is going to be another episode that I like, like the gamble in the debut. And I'm I'm catching that other theme, right? Like themes mm-hmm. that I like on OC nine episodes in are A, when the plot lines are like just very digestible teenage love stories. Mm-hmm. And B, when things are building around some type of community getting together storyline because... You know, we're recording episodes 9 and 10 today. I also really enjoyed episode 10, which also has kind of like community gathering into a singular location for for shenanigans uh, to take place. It's a format that I like with this. I like a low low stakes plot that builds to like the entire community being there for some drama taking place. Mm-hmm. Like that, that seems to be what works for me. A bunch of people stuck in TJ... While someone's overdosing or like a bunch of high schoolers trying to break their friend out of a hospital, maybe not so much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) But this is where Anna comes back. She's back from Tahiti. She's done her. She done did her sailing. Yeah. uh, And we'll talk about that. There's a faster way to get to Tahiti. There's a faster way to do that line (laughs) actually made me laugh. Sailing is so not the fastest way to get anywhere. (laughs) Um, But. Anna just shows up and is straight dropping facts on Seth. And I am, she's just like, I thought you got past this summer thing at the cotillion. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I thought that progress had been made and progress has not been made. (laughs) Like, like they, they have this very cute conversation. And I, I did write down, you're correct. Anna would one thousand percent be the type of girl that i would be obsessed with Mm -hmm. in high school like absolutely she is every girl that i had a crush on in in high school and every female friend that i had in high school as a singular character so loving that what i don't love and it's a trope that i see in television a lot i've never personally witnessed this in my life in high school so i want to know if you've ever experienced it which is just like people whispering and giggling about something as serious as an overdose (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, like Marissa's in class and the girls are just like, did you hear she overdosed? <laughs> like, did you hear that she nearly died? Died? Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. I'm like, there's, there's this thing where movie teens, especially in high school, are so much meaner than any teen in the history of real life has ever been. So, no, <laughs> no, okay. no, no one. I, you know what? At least to my face, no one's ever said like, oh, my God, look at them. They like have anorexia. They could die. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's, I, mean. I thankfully did not go to a school like that. I did not go. I don't know people like that uh, for the most part. No. I mean, I was like, saying that when I watched like Scream. Like, you yeah. know that scene in Scream where, like, Nev Campbell's in the in the bathroom stall and the two girls are in the bathroom and they're just, like, she just wants all this attention just because someone murdered her mother. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who? I have never, I have never been in any circumstance where a classmate suffered a serious tragedy and the immediate reaction was just like, oh, they're just looking for attention. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it definitely says more about them than it does about us. Yes. But like, I, I mean, like, I have a dark and twisted sense of humor, but like, when it's something that is that close to somebody, 
I know that I'm restrained, so I hope that other people in real life are like that. But I know, as far as practicing restraint, but like, I also know that there are probably people who feel this way, and it's just you know we're just saying the quiet thing out loud. In yeah. in uh, and you know, high schoolers are shitty. <laughs> high schoolers are so yeah. shitty. High schoolers are shitty. But I I so I've come to terms. With, well, not come to terms. That's a very weird word choice. Uh, I've come to realize that I don't think high schoolers are as shitty as we think they are. Middle schoolers are shitty. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like like middle schoolers into like freshman and maybe sophomore year. But again, th- I can only compare this to my personal experience sure. as a high schooler and mm-hmm. seeing, you know, a couple current high schoolers as well and how their lives are. I've noticed across the board that pretty much once you finish sophomore year and you realize you only got two more years and then you are out of this place, like so much of the drama and pettiness just disappears because everyone's just on the same game plan of like, let's just get the fuck out of here (laughs) successfully in two years. Whereas like middle school, you have no filter. (laughs) You have no understanding of how the world works. You can't even... You can't even process the idea that when someone did something shitty to you and it hurt your feelings, that you also doing that same shitty thing to another person could possibly also hurt their feelings. Yeah. Like, like middle schoolers are possibly the most profoundly broken gathering of like children. <laughs> Like, oh my god! Put that on a t-shirt, <laughs> I, and send it to every middle school teacher in the planet on the planet, and they'll be like, "Yep, <laughs> yep, they are fundamentally struggling." Like correct in middle school. This is why we. This is why we don't have an Abbott middle school. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. Elementary school kids, for the most part, until maybe fifth grade, they're usually they're usually overwhelmingly. We should all strive. To wear our emotions and hearts as clearly on our sleeves as kids do in elementary school. Yes. Like, yes. They, they just, you never have to guess, is this child sad, happy, upset, whatever? Because they'll just tell you. <laughs> but let's jump back over to what's going on in the sexy love triangle that is Ryan, Marissa, and Luke. Um, there's a great line from Marissa. Uh, where her and Luke are having a conversation. And I'm very... Okay, so there's a lot of questions I have here. Mm-hmm. But Ryan is listening in on a conversation between Marissa and Luke. And Marissa says, I just keep thinking, what if I didn't find out? And he's like, don't you understand that I love you? And then she says, and if I didn't find out, I'd probably still love you too. And like, what a great line. How Ryan takes that conversation and like reads it as she has forgiven him and now they are going to start dating and she is no longer interested in me is such a massive (laughs) jump to conclusions. And I also have to question the logic of when it's like, all right, join a school sport. He picks soccer which Luke is on the soccer team. It's like, there's no, you couldn't do, tri- like, figure out what Luke's not on and yeah. pick that sport. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I know the man does a lot of sports, but he can't do all of the sports. Like, there will be something. I, I think it was like part of 
my you know own internal reasoning for him choosing soccer is because he only knows Luke as the water polo guy, right? Yeah. And so he's like, so I got to go on land. Yeah. Which, <laughs> like, you and I both know that like sports are seasonal. So you know, water polo is this season, but you know, what is he doing in the other seasons uh, to keep uh, to keep himself occupied? I just I refuse to believe that two people who I don't think us combined could name 10 sports teams without a little bit of struggle, understand the ideas that a high schoolers play multiple sports if they're athletic and B sports take place on different seasons. Yeah. But that Ryan, someone who within two practices, the coach is already calling Sandy Cohen being like, this kid has the potential to be something great. If he could get his head out of the, in the game, like, clearly has some type of athletic background and knowledge that this is like a foreign concept. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but whatever we do get, we get a soccer hit shortly after he overhears this conversation, which not only is it a pretty brutal soccer hit for these two stunt men that are doing this scene, but there's like, I don't know about you, but the way that the shot is framed of Luke laying on the ground i thought he broke his leg yeah yeah i <laughs> like, thought so too i was like what the hell how hard did ryan clash into him because his leg is like on a weird angle as he's laying on the ground which like if this was a 10 episode like arc if this was a 10 episode season breaking his leg would be would come like right now and it yes. ruins his career and sends him in a downward spiral they've now are enemies like yeah, but we're only a third enemies. of the way through season one so far yeah. so it's like it it makes sense that you know yeah i also thought like oh my god it's broken and and i you know it's been so long i yeah. forget <laughs> That I'm like, okay, I don't know if this is going to be uh, what it begins the blood feud. But but yeah, it turns out that he's fine. <laughs> yeah. Everything's good. <laughs> yeah. While all of the teen stuff is happening, and, and unless you disagree with me, I think that we can just generically talk about the Sandy and Kirsten stuff because... I think that takes way more of the driver's seat in next week's episode anyway. Yeah. But in this episode, we do get the setup that the firm that Sandy now works for is about to sue Kirsten's dad and the company that Kirsten works for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we'll dive into this a little bit more next week, but I don't care how they write it off where like Sandy very correctly is like, this is not ethical. There's no way this gets approved. And they're just like, no, they love it because it's so unethical. And I'm like, in what court of law? <laughs> in what, in, there's, there's no chance. We'll dive into that more next week. But that is that is the setup for their drama. And there's, there's a lot that happens there. But basically, Ryan and Luke have their soccer fit. Kirsten finds out that Sandy's company is in fact about to sue her company and that Sandy didn't give her any heads up on it. Mm -hmm. And this leads to a very awkward dinner scene where Seth is just oblivious to all of it. Yeah, he's oblivious, <laughs> but he's also like really he's a little self-involved, right? So like yeah. it it 
it's so funny that like looking at this scene and what it's supposed to do is like wow everyone has their own thing going on and set this kind of like you said is he's out of the loop but it's also like his own fault because he's just already so self-involved with his drama with summer and stuff and this is where <laughs> this is the beginning of what I like to call Joe falls out of love with self with Seth Cohen. Um, okay. <laughs> and more into and more in love with Ryan Atwood, because in the beginning, listeners who have been listening know that, like, in the beginning, I was a huge Seth Cohen fan, like, uh, gimme, 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 gimme. And now looking back on it and in this in who i am now as a full like early 30s adult i am definitely see it more for ryan than i do for yeah. seth now we'll uh, again there's there's a couple things that happen in next week's episode that uh chilled me to my core because of how much it <laughs> represented me as a as a high schooler um but we'll get there uh so actually we'll we'll go with a little bit of that self-involvement with seth because what's happening on seth's side of things is that Anna has taken upon herself to help coach Seth on how to win mm-hmm. Summer. Very, uh, hold on, sorry, very, like, to all the boys I've loved before. It's Drive very, me crazy. Yeah. She's like, um, uh, 10 things I hate about you. Yeah, like, like, it's, that's why I love this episode, though. This episode is just a 90s teen flick. Yes. Like, and I'm, and I'm all on board for it. Um, but San- it, oh my God, Anna's plan mm-hmm. is to basically make Seth freeze out Summer a little bit and focus his attention on her yes. in an act of making her jealous. Now, what's clear to apparently not Seth, but very clear to Ryan instantaneously, there might be a little bit of ulterior motives in Anna's plan here. Yeah. Which is that she actually has no problem loving Seth Cohen and being invested in him as a person. Yeah. As versus is. The, as yeah, is. As is. Doesn't need any changing to him. She likes him as the dorky Magic the Gathering playing, you know, Death Cab for Cutie obsessed comic book reading Seth Cohen. That is her yeah. jam. So... That's what's happening there. We'll we'll jump back after uh, one more scene, but but things are building towards this carnival. They're all going to go to the carnival. There's a bunch of stuff flying in the air. Ryan kind of has blown it with Marissa yet again mm-hmm. by being uh, an angry idiot and accusing her of wanting to take Luke back. Yeah. So every everybody's romantic everything is in shambles on the teenage side. It's also a little bit of in shambles for the adult Coens. And that's where we get my favorite scene in the whole episode. Mm -hmm. This hot tub conversation between Sandy and Kirsten that is so organically Mm -hmm. cute and, and charming and like... I'm so fucking compelled by the adults in this show. And I know that we've brought it up a million times. It's like, I almost wish... Not knowing what the future is on this show, but based on what I've heard, sure, I almost wish that if the original intent was for this to be the Peter Gallagher show, that they had leaned into that more. Because every time that there's these moments, I'm so I'm so in. 
I'm just so connected to, yeah. to what's happening. Yeah. It, it's like one of the beautiful things about like the chemistry that they have, right? The chemistry that, yeah. uh, that Kirsten and Sandy have is just so it's, it makes so much sense. And it's like, it, it, I just love it. And anytime, and I, I mean, not spoiler, but kind of spoiler, like anytime there is tension between the two of them, I like want to skip it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I really don't like. And I think that that's yeah. also why I didn't like episode eight. You know what I mean? Like episode mm-hmm. eight, it's like not only are we dealing with the Julie Cooper anxiety stuff, mm-hmm. but there's also like a Cohen family marriage crisis happening in that episode that I'm just like, I don't want any of this. I want none of this. No. And I'm so happy to see them like being happy. Although I'm sure we're still not out of the woods yet for the Cohen family marriage crisis. It seems like Mona from Friends is just rolling uh, in causing issues. I was hoping that you would know it was Mona from Friends. Oh, they we'll, we'll get... I've got... Again, listeners, I, I feel like half this episode is an advertisement for next week, but I did take the time, knowing that that was Mona from Friends, to sit down and make my top three girls that Ross should have ended up with instead of Rachel... List based on his past relationships, Mona might be on that list. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the end of the Cohen story <laughs> for this episode. So we're at the carnival for the rest of this. And look, I get it. I've been on this mic quite a bit today talking about my unending love for Anna and how she was everything I ever would have wanted in high school. What the fuck is she wearing at this carnival? <laughs> like, it is the most confused. I'm. I am not a fashionista. I am not a man who really understands most of fashion, and I know that early two thousands fashion is one of the worst times yeah. for fashion in general. But she's wearing like, like it looks like a beige skirt with like a. It looked like a scarf tied around her with like a furry vest. Like it is, it is one of the most hideous ensembles I've ever seen on a person. I find very attractive. <laughs> like, it's quirky, you know. That's the thing. It's a, let's <laughs> let's make her the quirky girl. Let's you know her fashion makes no sense, but she doesn't care because it lo- she loves it. Whereas like you know, summers like you know summer short skirts <laughs> and yeah. and very conformist right so that's the other thing it's like we know that she we know that she's cool because she doesn't conform yes very true very much like daria yes this is like this is like the daria i would hang out with let's put yeah. it that way <laughs> exactly so they're playing skee-ball Seth disappears. It's just Ryan and Anna for a second. And that's when Ryan's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like, it's so clear that you're interested in Seth. Like, why are you, why are you going down this route of trying to get him with a girl that you clearly don't like that much? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and, and I, the speech gives her enough, uh, gusto to go up and kiss Seth just right on the lips. Yeah. And it could be a beautiful moment until Seth pulls away and asks, so is this still part of the plan? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which which is the most boneheaded thing he could possibly say when a gorgeous, dorky punk girl just pulled you in for a loving embrace 
is to immediately deflect that moment as is this all part of the I'm going to have sex with that hot girl over there plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's not all bad kisses at the end of this carnival now, is it, Joe? No. <laughs> no, it's not. Because then we... Well, first we see a, like, not reconciliation, but a, like, you know, go-getter type moment. I won't stand in your way moment between Ryan and... uh ryan and luke um and which is just like you know he he apologizes or ryan apologizes and R- luke you know says nothing but knows that he's just not gonna stand in his way i'm a love i like love simon so i'm all about <laughs> i'm all about let's kiss on the ferris wheel type of situation and then that's we get plus i also love that we see like ryan's weakness he hates heights and he still got on for her. Like, yeah. how beautiful is that? I want, you know, the man that I love who hates something to do that. I also don't. And also, I don't know if I'd be. I wouldn't that be were that me. man. <laughs> like, yeah, like I'm that person who's very like, let's put it this way. Like, I love shark. I, I hate sharks. I don't want to. Don't want to get a swim with a shark for I your love. Swim with the shark. I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of jumping from a plane because i'm terrified (laughs) that the pack won't open and and like i don't know about you do you ever because we've both existed and probably have will continue to occasionally exist on dating apps there are just certain things where it's like i want to believe that i'm a man who's willing to try new things but then there's also times where it's like i'll find a profile and she could be the most beautiful girl in the planet but if I'm scrolling through and every single photo is of her on a hike, I'm like, this is not going to work. <laughs> I am not like, I'm not <laughs> like, I just, I know, like, I know that about myself where it's like, I could go on the occasional hike with you, but the photos and but your profile, your personality. Yeah. Like, it's like, I can't do that. Like Matt, I fucking love you so much. I, <laughs> so similar to you, I like, um, immediately if one of the if their hobbies include working out swipe left like i can't like your hobby is working out like no i'm like hob working out is not a hobby (laughs) i don't out is is a thing that i force myself to do maybe eight to nine months out of the year right now we're in my hibernation stage it's cold right now i'm in the stage it's winter time so so much like the bears who are currently hibernating i am packing on the pounds that i will then spend april through october going on daily runs to work myself back to where i was in november just in time (laughs) to to reload (laughs) It yes. continues and continues. And the but yes, cycle. He faces his <laughs> and the fear. Cycle and then complete. finally, nine episodes um, into this this Romeo and Juliet-esque romance, Marissa and Ryan finally share their first kiss uh, at the top of the, caras- the carousel. That is not what that is called. The Ferris wheel. They share their kiss on the top of the Ferris wheel. It is actually yeah. a beautiful, feel-good episode, minus the ambiguousness of what's going to happen with the Coens and the bonehead comment from Seth. Uh, it is it is really probably the most concise little package of an episode of the OC thus far, I think. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. Okay, I'm going to ask something. It's going to derail us a little bit. So come with me on the journey. All right. Do you have a favorite memory of the first kiss that you have with a person? All right. You, so you ready for it to be a little sad? <laughs> <laughs> Can I get that as like, I'm going to put that as like the <laughs> subtitle of on your contact info. It's like, are you ready to get a little, are you ready for it, it to is. be a little I'm so, sad? I'm so bummed that I'm sharing the story. So I actually, my very first kiss... This is the story of the very first kiss. Um, so okay. it was, so yeah, when you were 20. no, no, no. It no, was, it was actually, <laughs> it was the end of seventh grade. Um, my friend at the time was throwing a like, hey, we're about to be an eighth grade party. Um, because I'm not sure how you're, mm-hmm. I know it works. It's very I, Newport. I, yeah, I know. I know it's very uh, different. Um at different places but for us it was like middle school was sixth seventh and eighth grade and then high school starts at ninth mm-hmm. grade so it's kind of this idea of like oh we're gonna be like this is like our middle school senior year that we're about to get prepared for and to set yeah. the tone yeah, yeah yeah like if you if you need to think of a time frame me and and this other kid were djing the party which literally just meant that we had a cd player and we were putting in cds and putting mm-hmm. on specific tracks and Limp Biscuits significant other had just come out. So we played a lot of tracks off of that at this party. So that's like okay. the time frame that we're thinking. It's like 1999, about to be 2000 type time frame. Other things that aren't important details to this story, uh, but are worth mentioning. At the time, this kid who I was friends with, I don't want to say his name because we were no longer friends. And also, I don't want to be outing anything. But to a seventh grader, I was not aware. But we eventually realized his mom was a lesbian. Um, So his parents were divorced. Mm. And his dad lived in one place. And his mom lived in another place with his aunt, who was not an actual aunt. Got it. A little yeah, Susan like it was like little, It was his yeah. aunt who shared a bed with his mom. Um, and we were middle schoolers. We didn't piece anything together <laughs> until he told us. In something that seems wildly irresponsible, bought alcohol for this party. This party of seventh graders going into eighth grade, they supplied a case of beer. But they had, they had a giant in-ground pool. And I don't drink. I've never drank. Everyone else was drinking. I was mostly sticking by the music and playing that. They all went inside the shed to play a round of Spin the Bottle. And there was just uh, myself and this girl, Claudia, who I was friends with. Uh, And we got into the pool because we were like, no one else is here. Let's go swimming. 
and we were swimming in the pool and she swam up and kissed me. And that was it. We never, nothing ever else ever happened. She just kind of kissed me. Uh, and we're about to get real sad. Uh, but after high school, Claudia moved to France, uh, pursued painting and art, and got really into the bohemian lifestyle, uh, which included getting really invested into uh, a heroin addiction that ultimately took her life. Oh, shit. So, yeah, no, I, t- I told you it was going to get dark. But now it's going to get supernatural, <laughs> uh, which is that my oh. cousin's <laughs> wife is a medium. Uh-huh. So, okay. I didn't really post anything. Uh, well, didn't matter. My cousin nor his wife are on any social media. Like 3 weeks later, I'm driving mm-hmm. my cousin's wife to go we were going to go get wrapping paper to wrap some Christmas gifts while my cousin was away. Yeah. And uh-huh. she out of nowhere goes, "Who's Claudia?" <laughs> And I no. said, <laughs> it was my friend who died. Why? And she said, because she's in the back seat right now. <laughs> and I said, Matt, no. <laughs> Why is she there? <laughs> and she said, she just wants you to know that that time in the pool was because you look so sad and you didn't deserve to be so sad. <laughs> Shut up. So... I'm not one that's like, yeah, people could talk to ghosts. Man, did I believe it hard that particular evening in December. So that that kind of that's my very long winded story oh of my the God, best the, my chills. my first kiss. It was a very special moment. Um, I don't sadly like the people who I've actually dated. I don't have as good of a first kiss story as the the very long winded story of Claudia. So now I have to throw the same question to you, and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like yours had like yours had like a three act structure. <laughs> it had an epilogue. It had soup. It had a supernatural entity. Like it's a very Matt Kelly like, story for sure. God, man. Okay, so um, memorable first kiss. Oh, you know what? It will be good for me. So I'll talk about my most recent ex. Okay. Uh, so the inspiration for this show. The inspiration <laughs> for this show. My most recent ex when we were, um, when we were together, or when we were still kind of seeing each other. We weren't official yet. He was dating someone at the time. Someone else. And I told him, I said, you know, I don't want us to be official until you let that person know that you're that it's over. Yeah. And um, but because of that, I don't want us to like I don't want our kiss, our first kiss to be tainted by by that. I told him, I was like, don't tell me when you're going to do it. Just like, you know, when it happens, it happens. And so after. Um, I was hosting trivia nights at the time after trivia night, he and I would go get dinner, uh, late dinner and just hang out. So we went to this Chinese restaurant near my house, had a nice dinner. We get, we get back to the, we get back to the car and it starts to pour rain. Like it's pouring rain inside the car. And while we're in the car, he's looking, he looks at me and he's like, Hey, I just want you to know that like I did it two days ago. And I said, what? And then he like leans over and I lean over and we kiss in the rain. Oh, it's such a cliche. I love it. (laughs) I know. It was such a cliche. And what song swelled underneath it as the camera zoomed away? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. 
he was definitely not as experienced oh. <laughs> in in the ways. <laughs> but I think uh, sometimes when it's a good emotional moment and it's something that's been building to the lack of experience yeah. kind of at, doesn't doesn't deter, I guess, would be. the yeah. No, no, it doesn't. And it, and it did not. It was just something that I reflected on after the fact. Yeah. Um, and it was just and, and like not mind you, we had met in like September and so we ha- and we this did not happen until like mid November, so like about like oh, it's like two, two months. three months of build up, yeah, two three months of build up of you know like all that stuff, and so it was it was beautiful in that regard. Yeah, and yeah. don't let I I this is just advice for the audience listening. No matter how messy or just how shitty a breakup can be just by the general sadness of it you're still allowed to fondly remember the parts that were good mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like there's there's nothing yep. wrong with doing that um that's a beautiful story i like that story joe ready to talk some music yes so th- this is another one not that many songs we got three songs in this episode we got the 88s who you might know is doing mm-hmm. the theme song for community uh, they're the band that's playing on the first day of school with their song, How Good Can It Be? Uh, when Sandy and Kirsten are having their talk by the hot tub, you've got Solomon Burke's Don't Give Up On Me. And then the first kiss, the 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 big build up to the first kiss with Marissa and Ryan was Paint the Silence by South. Uh, so I have to ask you, Joe, what did you pick as the song of this episode? Well, I really like the first day of school music. I thought it was very... I thought it was very appropriate, but of course it's the kiss. Like, of course it's, it, it's the kiss. So funny enough, I my pick starts off the same way as you, where I was like, oh, I think it's going to be this 88 song. Like, this is just like a good sound of the of mm-hmm. everything. But then I remembered how much I love Simon Burke when he, when that song starts playing and there, Kirsten and Sandy are having that conversation. There's just the silkiest jazz vocals happening underneath it. I was like, oh, this this please don't give up on me song is is actually making me feel emotions right now. So I'm actually gonna go uh big apologies to the 88s who almost got picked by both of us. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I went with Sol- Solomon Burke on this one. So Interesting, but yes, I mean the kiss. The kiss, I think, from from your lens too, is someone who's probably watched that scene in that moment multiple times. I, I could see why that's holding a spot yeah. more so than like for me on the first viewing. I'm like, ooh, what is this silky smooth soul that's happening right now? <laughs> Last thing that we have to do on the episode is our pop culture promo, and I need to know: Have you watched? listen to read anything that was a giant pop culture moment uh either modern day or in the past similar to how the oc just dominated pop culture for three uh three or four years i really want to talk about the harry and megan docuseries on netflix Mm -hmm. it is by far the most riveting (laughs) thing that i've watched in a while and it's also like it's so interesting to see like even famous people feel the need to have their stories be heard. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And just like the, the background and how it's not so much like, it's not so much that they're 
poking at the monarchy and the royal family directly, but more the the kind of uh, the relationship that the paparazzi and the media have with the royal family and how ultimately that's toxic and harmful. Um, and also kind of like breaking down like the systemic nature of racism in Britain um, and also the history of it. Like it's really, it, it has like the juicy tabloid moments in it, but it also is trying to have very thoughtful, perhaps introductions to people. Yeah of these issues of like, you know, media uh, and privacy and racism. So I highly recommend it if anyone cares at all, because that's the other thing too. It's also about a bunch of rich people from like, you know, literal colonizers. We don't have to care <laughs> about it, but I find that it's actually quite, um, it's quite powerful. Well, Netflix is getting a lot of free promo from us because the thing that I wrote down was the Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion, that also came out mm. around the exact same time, honestly, as the Harry and Meghan documentary. Um, I didn't think it was as good as the first Knives Out movie, mm -hmm. but Homeboy does love just a good Agatha, Agatha Christie-inspired murder mystery, and this was no different. And... I do think that there was a, a decent amount of chatter when it first came out and dropped on Netflix, but it also feels like, you know, at the time that we're recording this, it's maybe been two weeks since it came out, and I feel like that chatter has completely vanished <laughs> overnight. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like it's a good film. I've seen it twice yeah. already. Like it's a it's a good film. It. Um, I think if I watch it one more time, I will start to not think it's a good film, <laughs> but like, but it's, it's, I can't wait to see more of these movies. Like give me Benoit Blanc yeah. everywhere. I want this to be like on the level of James Bond where they just keep cranking them out. And like over decades, they just cast other people to pay Benoit Blanc. Like it's, I love the character and I love the concept of just give us a, a constantly reoccurring murder mystery that there's only one consistent, which is the investigator that's doing it. And everything else can be a whole yeah. new cast of actors and characters. And we'll yeah. get to a point where we're recycling the same actors playing totally different characters. And I'm like yeah. very hopeful that we get there. <laughs> it's giving Agatha Christie, Hercule Poirot, yeah. especially because it's like, that guy has his like Poirot has like a weird accent and it's just like very delicious. And, you know, like you've gathered a bunch of people who benefit from your murder, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I'm like, <laughs> like oh, I love yeah. it. Give me more. His weird little like uh, <laughs> foghorn leghorn accent. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no, you see, yeah. no, you see. And I also like, I don't care. I don't want to know anything about him. Yeah more i just want him to exist i mean i i've asked this before to other people like who do we think uh benoit blanc's like moriarty is right like who is the ultimate villain and i think that glass onion without giving anyway spoilers glass onion does a good job in kind of setting that up potentially curious yes. it'll be interesting to see as we progress if we're gonna get there to that i don't we'll talk about that all fair <laughs> Because I I, I okay. agree, but I don't know if I do. But there's no way for me to dive deeper into that without spoiling it for the people who may not have seen it. All right. Well, Joe, we saw The Heights, which I guess references yes. 
the Ferris wheel <laughs> and and something else. I, I guess it does, huh? <laughs> I was like, this is the toughest mystery of what this episode's title means <laughs> out of the entire series so far. But next week, there's no question what the perfect couple describes, except for which mm-hmm. couple. Dun, dun, yes. dun. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Network.